This is Stanley Davis from Missouri Scorchers. This is Jordan Johnson out of Glasgow Rocks. My name is Aaron Anderson from the Sheffield Sharks. This is Brandon Peel of the Newcastle Eagles. This is Andreas Kapoulas, head coach of the Bristol Flyers. This is Lorenzo Gugini of the London Lions, and you are now listening. You are now listening. You are now listening. You are now listening. You are now listening to the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. Welcome to episode 27 of the BBL Show. We are your hosts, Jay Marriott and Drew Laska, here to scan over another week of BBL action. How has your week been, Mr. Laska? Week's been good on my side, just locked into this BBL action where I feel like I'm at an amusement park on a roller coaster. <laughs> it's going up and down and around, and every time you look and you think you got it figured out, it just keeps changing, man. It's fantastic for the league, like I kept mentioning. And right now for the playoffs, I think it's a lot. Well, not think, I know for sure. The league is overweight, even though Leicester lost tonight. But the playoffs, I mean, I can't call it. So exciting for us, exciting for the fans. Let's just keep this train moving, baby. Yeah, that's it. It's It, it sure is getting exciting. And as you said, for the fans, it's, it's what needed. And whew, I'm looking forward to revisiting our boards at some point because it's just <laughs> all over the place. But I will tip my hat to you, Mr. Lasker. This weekend, you have had a good weekend of predictions, especially on that Friday. I was singing to myself, oof, and uh, checked it late after practice. And I was like, he's got me right there. So, uh, Well, it was time for some separation. You know what I mean? We've been sharing picks every week and and so I was getting inside your head, thinking which direction you would go. And I almost had it, man, but I got greedy. I got greedy with the Cheshire this weekend. And and even Rachel showed me some love on Instagram. And I said, don't disappoint me. And guess what? Every time we, ch- you know, the Cheshire fans, especially the Plymouth fans, we got Elvizi always piping up saying we don't pick them. We finally pick them and what happens? You know well, what I mean? You know, we got a little bit burned, but hey, just like the playoffs, our picks are hotting up. We're taking a few risks. Well, you're taking some risks right now, but I guess I got to take some risks to try and get back in the <laughs> Come on, baby. Back in the win column. The but it's a little back and forth, you know. I think last year was a bit of a landslide, a bit of a rider's moment, so I'm looking forward to this race towards the end. But uh, anyway, this week we are joined by Coach Creon of the Surrey Scorchers to discuss a difficult season for the team. We have all your favorites, including this one. You guessed it. It's the Marriott Minute. We have to start with the heartbreaking news of the passing of former Leicester Riders guard, Eric Robertson. A shock to us here at the show, considering such a young age and being a part of such recent trophy winning seasons for the Riders, Riders showing their class as they celebrated his life at home with a touching video of Eric and promoting the Just Giving page to support his young family at this time. So everyone here at the show is certainly giving their love and prayers. Interesting news out of the Cheshire Phoenix. A very weird timing. Ben Mockford has departed for France. But good luck to the GB veteran. Manchester, I noticed, have seen the return of the Mac. Martavius McKnight is back in a Giants uniform. Talking of Phoenix, we had a lot of disgruntled fans at the Coach and Player of the Month's awards, feeling that they were left out in the cold. I did notice that Mr. Lasker got involved also. It seems 
It was just the motivation Plymouth City Patriots needed and fans as their win this past Tuesday night saw them call that noise out to say the win settles the argument. Mark Rangeley, I noticed, a guy who knows some basketball, jumped in by saying that David Ulf is the most underrated player in the league as he works his way back from injury. Our friend Tahir Hajat calling out the rocks and the appointment of Gareth Murray as head coach questioning if players are the right way to go when selecting your head coaches. Jay Bisley on Twitter calling my man, Mr. Lasker, out to name his top five in the league. We have got you, Jay Biz. We are going to freestyle at the end of the show with these picks. And lastly, I bow down to the greatness of the Manchester Giants and Leicester Riders coming up with the Retro Night doubleheader. An incredible idea. The league, are you listening? You need to buy into this and make this a league-wide event. The hype for me was all around seeing the incredible Hulk back on the Manchester jerseys. Let's go. And that's this week's Marriott Minute. I'm always watching. That's a fantastic minute, jam-packed as usual. And it's awesome because I I love it. It might be controversial, but so many people out there on the Twitter sphere that's that's getting really bold with the with the comments, but it's entertainment for me. I love it. And you know, the first place we got to start is with Eric Robertson. Um this is a guy that I played against in Bucks, competed with with our Newcastle Leicester Rider rivals. And this was a guy that you love to hate. And I say that because he was such a competitor. I remember his rookie year, because I think he played in the league twice. They were getting some momentum, and he was all over me clapping and being obnoxious. And I remember saying to him, dude, stop all that damn clapping. This ain't college. But that's a reflection of him. He was so, he was full of of vigor full of energy at all times and always played with passion and kept a smile on his face. So hearing this news that, you know, he lost his life playing a game that he loves, playing basketball, was really sad to hear. And, uh, you know, there's a GoFundMe out there for his wife, and I think he has a little boy, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, go out there and support him and his family as, you know, they try to move forward with this with this terrible loss. But, I could definitely say this is a guy that lived his life to the fullest. So, you know, our hearts here on the BBL show with the Lester Riders, his family, and um, yeah, may Eric rest in peace. Amen. And so we slide on into... It's time for Hot Takes. There's so much that we can cover, but we got to start with our guy, Ben Mockford, who departs off to France, NM1 to be exact. I reached out to Mike Tuck and Ant Rowe. Those are two guys that played in that league. And, you know, their words to me was it's pretty similar to the BBL, more organized BBL. The Americans are probably what and what, but the the French are probably a little bit, the domestic players are a little bit better, and, and most importantly, the money pays even more so you know what's your thoughts on it jay do you about the timing how bad of a loss do you think this is for the cheshire phoenix oh big loss for them because i think just in returning him you could tell just you know coach thomas and him have a really great connection i'm sure this was done with his blessing i don't think that there's anything untoward i just hate the timing of this for the phoenix you know they've been in an unbelievable role this does feel 
you know, a little bit like we saw with Ryan Richards as well. Just just the timing that you exactly. you can do nothing about it now. You know, so as as a team, Cheshire Phoenix have got you know a lot less talented, if you ask me. You know, especially we know that 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 Ben has got those big performances in his back pocket as well, and and they can come in big moments. You know, still a GB international as well, which is showing his longevity. But just really, really odd timing. But I go back to when we did that interview with Ryan and like I, you have to sit on both sides of the fence. So that's the fan in me that's talking about that. That's the the person that wants to see the league grow. But when you look at the individual, Ben Motford's coming towards the end of his career. You know, I don't want to end it too soon. You know, he, he's in great shape, so he may well be able to play until he's 40. But he's in his 30s now, you know, gets, a, gets offered a deal that maybe he thought, you know, wasn't available anymore to him. And you know it's it's probably life-changing for him and his family so you know sad sad to see for Cheshire you know a player you like to see in this league but but if it's worked for him individually we talk about this all the time it's a business and you know sometimes that works against the player this time it works for the player yeah you absolutely took the words out of my mouth it it felt this felt very Surrey scorches to me in particular with Ben Mockford, because I feel like it's kind of been like a merry-go-round, right? He's been at Cheshire, he's left, he's come back, he's left, he's come back again. And I'm right with you about balancing the fan and the player perspective, because as a player, you got to go get it. You got to go get it while it's there. It's temporary. It's not long. It's over before you know it. So, you know, I definitely understand that part of it. I'm just frustrated from the fan perspective because Cheshire's rolling. It's a great story. They're about to be in the finals in seven days. And he is the player who gets up for these type of games. Let's rewind to the GB game last year against Germany, who stepped up, Ben Mockford. So if there's going to be an upset on the big stage next weekend, for me, Ben Mockford was going to play a huge role in that because he's the guy that can shine when the lights are the brightest. So... You know, not saying that Cheshire can't get it done. Watch them play tonight. And like I mentioned over Twitter, if, you know, the, the roster stay the same, and I don't know what's going on with, with Neymar Wright, but if he's integrated and London don't have Isaiah Reese, you know, this game is a total pick em. But it looks like they lost Dickerson to a knee injury. Um, the way he hobbled off, I seriously doubt you'll see him Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's just very disappointing. But like you say, we we want to get to the point where guys like Ben Mockford, we can keep in this league as a domestic player, very valuable. And that's the way we're only going to go as far as our domestic players, because you can only have four Americans. So, yeah, but you hit all those points. You hit the nail on the head with that. So, yeah. And um, I just want to jump in. I'll finish with this as well. Like in a final, even if he doesn't necessarily become the big time player, you have to take him seriously. You cannot leave that kid open, you know? So, yeah. like, you know, just from, a, for, just from an X's and O's perspective and a preparation perspective, you know, that is a player that you fear. You know, you, you always fear that he's going to have that big game against you. So, I think it's a big loss. Yeah. Moving on to another team who is rising, the Sheffield Sharks, currently 10-8 and eight in the standings. In third place, one win behind the Manchester Giants after Manchester picked up a huge win against the Leicester Riders. And again, I, I, I'm always reminded and I always kind of chuckle <laughs> at, your, at your comment regarding the Sheffield Sharks because, man, that is probably the quote of the year because these guys, they look great at times. They go and pick up a huge win against the London Lions 
and then they go up to Bristol where that's not a, a piece of cake game, but so it isn't the loss that disappoint me, but it's these offensive woes. You score 24 points at halftime, 12 in the first quarter, 12 in the second quarter. I mean, what do you make of the Sheffield Sharks? It's just, um, it's just like, it's, it's, it's really hard to get over hyped on them. You know, because you feel like that those right. situations are coming all the time. So, yes, it's you know, yes, it's funny and 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 it's a stand-up comment that they they finish where they finish, right? That they're, they're, they're fairly easy in the prediction standings to, to to try and pick where they are. What's different this season is there's less teams, and also those teams. Um, there, there's been a few teams that have taken some big steps back and we're going to talk about one of them in a second. And so that, you know, they're going to move up slightly higher than they usually are, but they still are around that area and they still make the same mistakes. So, you know, it's very, very interesting. Like I said, they, they always have a chance to sneak something of a, 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 on a silverware table per year. I have a lot of respect for Coach Lyons um, I have a lot of respect for our man, Mike Tuck, but they generally follow the same suit. You know, it takes them a while to settle on a few players. They have to make a little adjustments. They make a great run. They always have a good run at some point. Um, so you can never jump out, fully jump out the boat on them. They're going to have a run. And then they just kind of settle into this, you know, up and down, you know, there must be a little bit of seasickness going on there sometimes at the Sharks. But, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's how I feel about them. Well, speaking of seasickness, my man, that is the way that you can describe me after Friday night covering my Newcastle Eagles off to a great flying start. The first 16 minutes of the game, sitting there with a the healthy lead, and right on cue, I mentioned on comms that these last two minutes are important, which we talked about talk about every week. Either the game can balloon to 13 or it could drop to three or four points. I drop off a of comms, go get ready for interviews, and just like clockwork, I look up and it's a two-point game at half. And that trend continues in the second half, and the Newcastle Eagles were absolutely awful. Gave up 110 points to the Manchester Giants, a team that... If you look at the tape, and although they picked up a great win tonight, let me just check because I got my computer up. You know, they score 85 points, but the Leicester Riders proven that you can slow them down. And so I heard something, Jay, that I have never, ever heard in my entire time with the Newcastle Eagles, and that was a loud roar of boos. I mean, I was dumbfounded. Obviously, you were able to catch back up on the game. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on the Newcastle Eagles? And most importantly, a team booing one of the most successful franchises in league history and currently 8-10 and 10 in the standings, which sits them in eighth, which is two games behind the Glasgow Rocks. Both teams have played 18 games, Newcastle 8-10, and 10, Glasgow 6-12, and 12, and we know how this league has been going Things can change quickly, and they could all of a sudden be looking outside the playoff picture. Man, you don't even want to believe that Newcastle Eagles might not be involved in the playoffs, but it's a genuine reality. I think for us, both of us, I mean, you're, you're more invested in Newcastle than I am, but both of us have been dumbfounded because we have just been like, any minute now, 
the switch must be going back on and it, it's not been coming back on for a long time. You see Justin Gordon come in. Like I said to you, like maybe Peel and Gordon just works and it looked early on that it's working. Loved talking to Fletch about it. And like when we were talking to Fletch, he didn't seem panicked at all. You know, he seemed to kind of understand the situation. So that gave me a little bit of peace and a little bit of false hope, but booing. I'm just in shock. I'm a little bit concerned for Coach Mack at the minute, you know, because you're the man at the helm, right? You've got to take that little bit of flack. Hopefully he gets a good bit of leeway, which he deserves. You know, he's, he, he, he's, he's won some things, which is phenomenal when you take over from a coach like Fab. But, wow, there's some explaining to do in this season, like what's happened. You know, like you said, the plan was never for Fletch to have to carry this team as much as he's having to do. Gordon returning, I think, is a really good thing. I hope that that's maybe something that could be for, for the long term. But honestly, you look at this roster and I'm not really sure just what's going wrong. You're, you're seeing it much more close up than I am. Like, is, is there an explainable reason or is it just an anomaly? That's a great question. And I mean, I see it on the surface like everybody else. And I attend a couple practices here and there, but not enough to really get inside and to know what's going on. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is that the team just isn't bought in because they are talented. Don't get that wrong. And and my comments over Sky Sports pregame, I mentioned because Nat asked me what I thought the issues were. And I said it was personnel, but you and I were on the same page about that from the jump. I just felt like the personnel didn't fit the philosophy that Ian McLeod is trying to run there. And and I actually mentioned this a few podcasts ago. I said, when they were really struggling, if you remember, Jay, I said, two things have to change. Either Mac is going to have to make some changes and bring in players that fit that flow motion offense, or he's going to have to adjust his system to the current players he has. Mm. And, you know, with that side to wing to wing ball screen, you need guys that are great at coming off ball screens. And right now there's only one player on the team that can excel at that. Wes isn't a ball screen guy and they've done a great job of figuring him out. And he's done a great job of figuring himself out that he's a shooter. He's a scorer. And he's whereas early in the season, they were trying to get him to initiate the offense and and, you know, handle ball handling responsibilities. And it was very clear that that's not him at all. So, you know, it goes back to my comments I made post game, and it was really it was really hard for me to be calm. I was really upset, and usually, you know, I, I'm very objective when I'm covering teams, but I was upset, especially after the booze. And and it came down to what I said: this team doesn't play defense, and you'll get by. I mean, they give up 90 points a game, which they are offensive juggernaut, but that's a lot of pressure on your team to have to score 90-plus every night just to win. And so, you know, defense, as you know, Jay, you're a coach now. You've coached at this level before. That's something that you have to really harp on at the beginning of the year. You can't all of a sudden mid-year say, okay, let's play defense or let's be a defensive-minded team. Like, that boat is kind of sailed and – and that's basically what it came down to. This team can't get stops when it needs to. And it's, it's unfortunate. Last thing for me, Drew, is, um, you know, w- w- what do you make of, of Coach Mark kind of skipping the post-game presser, which is, you know, unusual to say the least, especially, especially at this level and in this league. So do you read anything into that? Well, I, I mean, I know it's difficult, you know, for him personally, a frustration 
you know, you're upset with the, the season, you're upset with that loss, you're upset with the booze. And so, you know, I understand it from that perspective, but this is my frustration. And this is not just a message to Mac. This is just a message in general to the league because in my 16 years in the league, all I've heard people say is we need to be on TV. We need to do this. We need to do that. We want to see the league grow. We need to do this, do that. Now that we're at this point, we can't let this opportunity slip by. Hmm. And, you know, you, you see it with the Vince situation. The team let him go midseason. And this, it feels very harsh. It does. But this is normality. If you look at the Premiership League, you look at the NBA, if an organization doesn't think you're getting the job done, they will let you go in a hurry. So I feel like it's the responsibility of the players, of the coaches to do their responsibility for the media regardless. And our guest today, Creon, I got to give him a lot of props because it's been a rough season for him. And I've seen him stand up and do postgame pressers night in and night out. So that's my frustration with it. And, you know, as a league, we we, we got to do better with that. And we got to face the music because if we're winning – Players and coaches, they're going to be the first ones up there, right? And yeah. so, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. This is something that we all signed up for, and it's a responsibility. And, and lastly, it sets a bad example to your players. And my, from my perspective, you know, they might be looking at that. And, they, you, know, you, know, you know how players are. They don't miss nothing. You know what I mean? But I do understand his frustration as well. Which, I mean, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, we're going through a learning curve, you know, so this is something like the league are going to have to tighten up, right, you know, and, and, and something that the coaches and the players are going to have to learn. I think, you know, we, we've we seen it, we saw it last year, we've seen it this year, like the, you know, some players struggle to deal with that, like especially if it comes a little bit of criticism. But I do agree with you that, you know, like you said, last year he made every presser with the success that he had and and wanted to stand there with the trophies and things like that then then you got to stand there in the bad times and i totally agree from a from a player standpoint unless that was the message you know so there there may be some kind of psychology in there from coach mac that he wants to show them the level that he's at you know that 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 he's had enough and that it's unacceptable so you know there's so many different angles you never know and until you actually um, speak to the coach himself um, you know but I, I know with what immense pride that he's coaching that team with so I'd imagine you know take take myself back and centre myself into that coaching role if you're here in a boo that's probably pretty tough to take especially you know it, it very yeah. very unusual yeah for sure definitely well I mean let's just move the show along <laughs> Obviously, we got the trophy finals coming up. We got Cheshire Phoenix versus the London Lions. And you're looking at their roster. It's pretty much a free-for-all. We don't know who's going to be healthy. I mean, I saw Jordan Williams play tonight, and I was he hasn't suited up for months. So, by a sell, is, I, I'm just going to ask you, who will be lifting up the trophy come 5 p.m. on Sunday? Oh, man. This should be a lot easier than it than it really <laughs> is to answer that question because, <laughs> it, you know, London Lions car crash again this season. I can't see them not. Sorry, Rachel. I know that she would like. She's just gonna <laughs> kill me for this. She kills me anytime. Yeah, but you know it. 
I think the Ben Mockford timing thing is is going to hurt them. Like you said, if Dickerson is injured or even if he's only 80%, that's really going to hurt them. And I think the pressure's on, like whether it should be on for those Lions. They, they have to make sure that they put something into this season. And even with that win, there's going to be an inquest. I will, I got to buy that London Lions will be lifting this trophy. Well, I mean, you have to buy it, right? Like, there's no if and buts around it. I mean, could you imagine come Monday morning, March 21st, the London Lions walk away empty-handed? I mean, how do you explain that? I mean, you know Vince will be sitting there with a little smirk on his face. But, I mean, I, 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 you know, I hope it doesn't come down to that. I mean, I really like to like to see London Lions take care of business and uh, – but – I mean, what a story it would be for the Cheshire Phoenix. Wow. But we shall see. Yep, they've, they've done it before. So let, let, let's see what happens. Anyway, moving on. It's time for the BBL Show Player of the Week. He is back again. Antonio Williams of the Plymouth City Patriots cannot stop shining. My gosh. 19 points, four rebounds, 15 assists for a 39 index. Monster, monster game right there. Manchester Giants had a number of players we could have gone with, but Tyreek Armstrong steals it with a 23 points, four rebounds, 11 assists for a 36 index. And then we have gone with the London Lions, big man, Kyler Kelly with a 20 points, seven rebounds, four assists and a 29 index. I'm probably leaving off his blocks as well, but I haven't got it in front of me. But uh, those are the three picks right there, guys. Make sure you pick your favorites. Guys, the Patriots are coming for you. They are voting their backsides off. (laughs) So, guys, you know, not that I don't think Antonio Williams deserves it because that's a monster game, but get voting. Bring your A game since they're bringing theirs, and we'll see who will be the winner of this week's Player of the Week. Well, if we know one thing, the Plymouth City Patriots fans are a fan of the show because, man, they vote heavy anytime one of their players shows up. So it is a fan vote. And um, so maybe you guys should get the rally cry like the team's Twitter account and Antonio Williams because he is asking for those votes. But anyhow, we move on to the Alaska look back. This episode of the Alaska Look Back, one thing that I love about our guests is his transparency. And one thing that I mentioned earlier is he keeps it real and he keeps it 100. And so I'm going to play you this clip interview, post-game interview from last year to get you inside of who and how Mr. Creon Raptopoulos operates. The Scorchers post-game show, I'm joined by Scorchers head coach Creon Raptopoulos. Creon, it was a difficult third quarter which probably cost you the game. What did you think of that second half display? Um, I just think all around we're just, we're just not good enough. Um, our team chemistry is terrible. All right, obviously 
Um, that starts with me trying to get people to do stuff. And if people aren't going to buy in, then we're going to have those lapses. You know, um, you look at Manchester, I think they got a lot of team chemistry. They don't care who has the ball. They just keep the ball moving. So it's very difficult to key in on them. Um, you know, defense and, and rebounding, it's, that's just heart and, and effort. Anybody that's played basketball at any level knows that you've got to give um, energy. You know, I think we've got, we got a lot of um, um, talent, but, you know, for some reason or the other, that's why that talent hasn't worked out in other places and <laughs> ends up with me and Sari. So, um, as good as they might look as players, um, there's a reason that they end up being here, you know, and I give them a chance after chance after chance, but, you know, right now I'm ready to just, you know, pull the pull the pin and throw a grenade in and, and start afresh because it's, it's clear to see. This is, it's unacceptable. It's, 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 it's not fun. It's not, it's not great for anybody. It's not great for the fans. I'm not enjoying it. Some of the players that are being honest aren't enjoying it. So we can talk about rebounds. We can talk about assists. We can talk about all of that until we get our team chemistry right and until we get people that are buying into what we're trying to do. We're going to be going through these horrible nights. Of course, you now drop to one and five in the BBL Championship, but it's a chance to hopefully bounce back next week with two road games against Glasgow Rocks and Leicester Riders. What is, what is your plan going into the next week to prepare for those games? Well, I might sound like a stuck record, but the key thing is the, 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 where we are lucky is that um, everybody plays everybody three times. So until you lose that series, you still have a chance to get two games on one team. So as I said, with Cheshire, we one and one. If we win the game, we get the head-to-head. We, we, we now got to go down to, you know, to Manchester, we've been a very good team this year, and get two. You know, and the same thing goes with uh, when we play Bristol, we've got to get the next two. And um, hopefully you win four series that helps you get, in, helps you get into the playoffs. But um, we can't look as far as the playoffs, we have to look at the next game. And um, unless we're willing to be professional enough and mature enough to deal with the, the stuff that we're not getting right, you know, it's not going to work. You know, we, we take bad shots at terrible times and then people want to put on their Superman cape to try and save the team when you have to stick to what's working. And then we, and, and we don't do that. We lost Tony Hicks at a very valuable um, point. You know, like he's super, like anybody else, he's frustrated because um, he wants to win, you know, but we need him on the floor, you know, and, and, and that becomes a key thing, you know, is, is he going to be able to keep his head with the group that we've got because the group that he played with when we were here was a very mature group of pros, whereas right now I'm not too sure, you know, we, we, we just are a million miles from where we, we, where we need to be, you know, I'm not, I can't make any excuses, you know, you can, people can look at the statistics, you know, our three best players from last season, Teo, Skyler, Lavelle, look at their production this year, you know, is it the, the teammates that we brought in, is it them, you know, uh, and these are the things that we've got to try and work out. And there it is, guys, I told you, he keeps it real, and that is your Alaska look back. Great look back. Let's get the realness in the room. It's Coach Creon himself. Coach, how are you doing? And thanks so much for your time. Um, I'm good, Jay. Uh, obviously, it's been a tough year, but um, you know, I'm still smiling and grinding away. So uh, we'll see where we get to in a couple of months' time. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to this. I think the last time we spoke about a month ago, I said, we got to get you on the show and the, obviously the time is right. And for the fans out there, he was invited on the show before they got the victory. So maybe we spoke this to existence and, and, and a little bit of foreshadowing. But before we go into the interview, Coach, what we like to do is just get our guests on the hot seat, get to know them a little bit deeper. So 
I know that you like your shoes. You're a shoe, you're a shoe man just like the players. So usually we ask players what shoe they like to hoop in. But for you, what's your favorite shoe to coach in? Um, I'm an 11 guy. Um, I think Whoa. I got multiple colors. So um, 11s all day long, all day long. Yeah, it doesn't get any fresher than that. So, guys, you need to pay attention to that. What about off the court, coach? Surely when you're walking around town and stuff like that, there's something else you prefer or do you keep it at those 11s? Um, 11s, I've got quite a bit of them. But um, I'd probably say uh, I've started like, look, wearing a couple of running shoes. I don't know if that's an age thing, you know, some Nike Air Pegasus and stuff. But um, I've also got a nice collection of um, Dunks. So um, I sometimes wear the Dunks and um, a couple of um, Air Jordan 1s. I think the 1s are probably um, the coolest at, at the moment. Very yeah, nice. I just got on that one train. I've never been a fan, but maybe it's my age as well. But what's your favorite all-time athlete? All-time athlete? I can't look further than Mike. Michael Jordan. Uh, I just guess just... For every reason that anybody in my age group would know, um, without a would doubt, you? Mike. <laughs> Love that. What about favorite meal? Ah, favorite meal. That's a tough one. Um, coming from Zimbabwe, we barbecue a lot, or we call it a braai in Zimbabwe. So I probably have to say a braai. We, you know, T-bone steak. Um, mm, T-bone steaks, hungry. probably some ribs, some, you know, chops, you know, just, yeah. I'm a meat person. It's got to be meat. Uh, you're going to find me on no vegan diets or, or any of those <laughs> things. <laughs> Favorite movie genre? Your action movie guy. genre. Um, yeah, got to like be some, some action. Got to be some action. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely going to be action. So anything with um, probably with uh, Denzel Washington, you know, his stuff is, uh, yeah. Uh, you had to watch a bad one with him. Oh, you took my next pick then. So favorite actor or actress? Are you sticking with Denzel or have you got somebody else in mind? I'm going to have to stick with Denzel. I'm going to have to stick with him. Good choice. Can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the guy. Well, favorite musician. This is really going to tell your age, coach. You know, are you riding with these new guys, your old school guy? Who's your favorite musician? Man, that's a tough one. But um uh, got to be Jay-Z. Yeah, Jay don't get old. Yeah, you know, on it's got to be Jay-Z. <laughs> Love that. That's a great. That's a great pick. This is Jay every day. Not that I listen. Not that I listen to anything. Okay. Favorite holiday movie. So you can pick any holiday. Is there a, mo a movie that sticks out that reminds you of a particular holiday? Holiday movie. Mm, that's a tough one. You know, I watch so many movies and stuff, but I'm probably the worst person with remembering titles or <laughs> things or things that go um, hand in hand. So. Uh, you, you got me on that one. I can't really think of anything. We'll, we'll, we'll let you have a thing. You can catch it. You can catch it up with Mister Laska later on. Don't no stress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll fill it in for you. Home Alone. You can't go wrong with Home Alone. So I'll fill in the blanks for you. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess so. I'll probably go with Soul Food though. I mean, like if I if, oh, I, if yeah. I want to laugh and I want to cry, I'll probably go with Soul Food. There you go. We pulled it out of him in the end. That's what we do here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're, you're busy for nine months, so you don't have a lot of time to move around. But when you do, what's your favorite travel destination? Well, tra favorite travel destination. You know what? Um, just because of where, where I come from, and as you say, those nine months, um, so it would have to be being able to go back home, um, just, just being able to go home to Zimbabwe at times. I don't think anything comes close to that f for me. Um, I think, you know, being fortunate enough to get a, 
around to a couple of places in Europe. Like I uh, really enjoyed being in Croatia a um, couple of summers ago. But yeah, back home to Zimbabwe, definitely. No place like home, that's for sure. Now, we're in a social media age, so people would always like to follow, especially when they hear a guest. What is your favorite social media platform? Where can we find you sharing thoughts? I share my thoughts through my players, I think, you know, and through the people that are around me. Um, I'm a kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde with the social media. I think that there's something really, really good about it. And then I also think that sometimes it empowers the wrong people, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the, it's the times that we live in. So um, I accept that. Um, but it, it is, it is a battle that I have with my players about, you know, um, just about what priorities are and, and, and just how much on social media is actually real to, you know, I always see people like always joke about people posting that amazing meal that they had. But I've never seen somebody um, post that, you know, that that egg that the yolk broke or, uh, man, this went bad. Or, you know, those are the honest people that, that, that post the mishaps. But everybody's just posting something that's just simply perfect. And I don't think life's always that perfect. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hot and cold with social media. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's all, it's all about the highlights. That's why, Coach, I think you would make – Twitter blow up because you keep it real, man. You got to get a Twitter account, man, because you'll yeah. tell it like it is. Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of people on there like claiming they do the dishes right and stuff like that. Ain't that right, Mr. Laskia? <laughs> <laughs> I just tell the highlights, man. I'm not going to tell y'all my kitchen. Thank but you see goodness my for Mrs. Laskia. I cleaned it. I cleaned it before the show. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Coach, I know that that you're from Zimbabwe and you spent a lot of time up here at Teesside, which is close to me and your name still rings true up here in the Northeast. But I, I know I don't, and I'm pretty sure the fans don't really know your story of, of when you actually came to the UK and how you actually got here. So just share a little bit about, about that part of your life with us. Right. Um, you know, life in Zimbabwe was, uh, was great. was, um, everything that you'd want it to be. You know, when we played basketball in high school, we had a thousand people watching us, you know, um, so very similar to the States. Um, so a big atmosphere, big cult basketball culture, even though it wasn't the number one sport in Zimbabwe. And as I went through that, uh, obviously played for my country, represented Zimbabwe. And um, I'd have there's a, a teammate or um, an older player that would always come back from Europe and coach me. And, and he wanted me to go play in Europe. And I was always about, nah, nah, life is too good here. I don't want to, you know, I'm never going to go down that path. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am. But when things started changing in Zimbabwe, we, um, I became a dad at a really young age, you know, um, at, at, at 18, I became a dad. And um, that was just before I was actually supposed to go to the States, um, which I had no idea about, like, you know, what it was going to be like going to the States. But um um, my wife now, Cheryl and I had Kaylin and, um, I did the right thing. You know, uh, my dad said, well, now your dad, you got to, you got to stick around, you got to work, you got to do stuff. So after that, the basketball still continued and then had an opportunity to go play in Greece, um, through my Greek heritage. But then, um, family friends said, yeah, don't forget when you get to Greece, you're going to have to do some, uh, national service in the army. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I don't speak a word of Greek. I'm sorry. I can't do that. You know, so the Greek, the Greece one was put on the shelf. And then 
about two or three years later, got an opportunity to come and work out for uh, some clubs in England, uh, which was going to be, which was around 2000, 2001. And that's when I made the decision, okay, let me go. And, and that was mainly because of obviously how things were changing back home. And um, I wanted to do something better for um, my son, for, for Kalen was very sporty, young and sporty. So I wanted to give him more opportunities and um, came up to, U- to the UK. I came a little too early because one of the things that I just don't understand about England that we're still working on is once the season ends, it's just like so quiet, mm-hmm. like to find a run, to find people playing basketball. There's like, there was like nobody. You know, and um, I came a little early and then uh, Tony Hansen, late Tony Hansen, one of my mentors from Teesside, um, had coached a kid from Zimbabwe. And that's how we knew about me. And he asked me to come up to Teesside. So went up to Teesside to play in a little little um, um, game, like a, a summer game. And I got injured. Um, so injured my knee and was like, OK, I got to go back. Um, so I went back, uh, went back to London to go back to Zimbabwe to get my knee checked out and stuff. And, um, Tony Hansen contacted me and said, I know you coach basketball. Why don't you come do your rehab in Teesside? And I was like, um, okay. Spoke to my mom, spoke to my wife and they're like, you know, I, you want to do basketball. That might not be a bad thing. So I left London, went to Teesside, got into the coaching. And the crazy part guys was while I was rehabbing. I was around these players that I hadn't been around before. So I'm around British players, I'm around American players, um, all good guys. But I came from Zimbabwe and, you know, hearing guys complain that they were given one pair of sneakers or they only did this for me or they're only doing that for me. I was like, wow, like, you don't know how good you've got it here. You know, we'd go into a gym and, oh, this gym is way too cold. I can't practice. This gym's way too cold. You know, I played in like 32, 34, 36 degree heat outdoors, you know. So while I was rehabbing, I realized that maybe I, I, I might pass something else, you know, which was really surprising for me because I was about 27 at the time. And I thought I'd play, you know, somebody was going to have to tie me down to stop me from playing. But that's how that transition um, came because um, I just thought I needed to help the youth understand the bigger picture and, and, and you know, um, kind of from a coaching way and a mentoring way. And, and that's why I stopped playing. So um, just, yeah, luckily was Teesside. Teesside were one of the top teams in Division I. Um, um, remember seeing Jay as a Plymouth when, when, when Plymouth were one of the powerhouses also in Division One, And... Yeah, so I just coached and coached and stuck to it. And, you know, this is where it's taken me, you know, after all those years. So so that's my that was my journey to coming here. It was came here to play. But before mm-hmm. I even played a game in England, I, I injured my, my knee and then just got into the coaching train and never left it. And love that. That's a great story. Like I said, I don't think there's many people out there that really understand your journey. And I guess one of the one of the reasons why why we love talking to you, you know, not just on the mic, you know, when we, whenever we get a chance to catch up with you is just like we love your transparency. Like you are 100 percent authentic. You never try to hide behind anything or have any agendas or have anything like that. You know, you you speak. Um, honestly, is, it, do you attribute that to your, your, your heritage and, and the way that you were brought up? 
or is that more like from the coaches that you got to be around? You know, like I said, it, you know, I remember Coach Hansen and, you know, my, my favorite player, you, you know, I hate to admit it because, you know, I loved all those, those Raiders guys, but Ralph Bucci, man, was just an, uh, was just unreal. And I got the chance to coach against him when he was up in Durham and he was still just as good at nearly 40 years old as he was when I remember watching him as a kid. So, you know, is it... This transparency that you, you, you believe in, is is that part of your heritage? Yeah, I think it's heritage, upbringing. Um, you know, I think you learn something from every single coach that you play for. No matter whether he plays you two minutes or plays you three minutes, there's always a lesson to be learned. Um, but I, um, I got three things that I, I always say to my players that I need them to be, you know. I just need them to be um, um, honest. I You know, I need them to trust. And I need them to respect the opportunity. And so in those things, if, if, if I'm going to be demanding that from players, then that that's how I got to lead my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to be straight up. I've got to take responsibility when it's time to restate, take responsibility and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate um, in that when I was coached by my dad, um, he was straight up. You know, if anybody that's been coached by a dad will know is it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It's not, it's, I don't think it's as, um, as straightforward as it's been for Kalen and I. Um, but then again, as I said, I learned something from my dad from that as tough as, as, as tough as it was, you know, you know, you're playing a game in front of 2000 people and this man just like screaming in your face, you know, almost wiping spit off your face and stuff in that day. And then you win the game and then you jump in the car and he, he wants to just give you a hug and like, man, great job, Creed, great job. Way to play. And I'm like, man, you're just killing me out there. Um, so when I started coaching my son, I was like, okay, I got to like, <laughs> I know I felt I got to change that a little bit, you know, in, in, in my approach to, to how I deal with him. But yeah, um, heritage is a big thing. You know, um, whenever I'm around, um, um, our players in Africa, there's a saying, uh, I think, um, basketball people would, would, would remember it from the Boston Celtics. They had a word when they had the big three Ubuntu, which is a way mm-hmm. in Africa. And um, it's it's the the key saying in that there is um, I I am because of you. I I can't be a coach without my team. I can't be me without people around me. And so I'm always preaching that to my guys about like you know you've got to have some Ubuntu in you. You got to, you got to put the, everybody first before you look at yourself. And um, so yeah, that sticks with me. Um, you know, players are changing nowadays, mm-hmm. the way people, you know, like we're talking about the social media, but, it, um, and I got to make those adjustments. I know that I have to make adjustments in a lot of areas, but there's some things that I know that I got to stay strong to and, and, and that um, Ubuntu way of life is a big one for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think for the fans, they probably don't know when our world's kind of connected back in 2011. I was supposed to return back to Newcastle after finishing the season there with them in the playoffs, ended up finishing really strong. And the morning I was supposed to fly up to Newcastle, the deal got deaded. So I was in Plymouth with my now wife at her mom's just waiting on a gig. And then November, I got an email from you saying, did I want to become a Guilford Heat? And I was on the train the next day. And it was a weird transition at the time for you because there were, I always say there was two teams. There was this veteran five of Julius Joseph, Mike Martin, Dean Williams, who were on their way out the game. And then you had this other group of Macklemore, Teo, 
Albert Marr guy. And I was just kind of in the middle of that group. And I just remember there being like, I, I just remember with that team, like the older guys always played together, the younger guys played together. And you flipped me into both groups. And I remember that year, the older guys would be like, man, let's go out here and kill these young dudes. And then you'll put me with the young guys and they'd be like, man, let's go out here and kill these old dudes. And so it was just like a, it was almost like a power struggle. And and obviously you've you you've been at now which is now Surrey so just kind of describe your time at Surrey which is how many years have you been now what has it been 12 or 13 well i'd say with i think i did about 3 or 4 years with um with the heat and then uh took 2 years out and now this is like 6 years now running with um with the scorchers so um, okay. Yeah, so it's been some time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just describe, how would you describe your journey with the Surrey Scorchers and, and Guilford Heat? You could put both of them into that box. Mm. You know, th- th- this takes me back to um, the fact of why I stopped playing, you know, when I was like, everybody wants this and once and once and once. And um, with all the respect in the world to, to, to um, the history and everybody that was before me, um, um, I remember the heat being up there, you know, being in Europe and and so forth. And the following, the, around the time that I ended up there, the budget was probably half what it was before I got there, you know. And I know that because of um, Excel um, Excel sheets that were sent to me. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm looking at my budget and then I accidentally click on a previous budget and I'm like, whoa, this is a whole lot different to what I'm dealing with. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, um, you know, I didn't want to be in an environment where we were passing buckets around because, you know, the fans are amazing. Fans are always going to do stuff for clubs. Uh, Jay, you know this. And Andrew also, having been in Plymouth and obviously now being, in, you know, with the Eagles, fans are amazing. You know, mm-hmm. um, they want to win so bad. They'll do anything for their club, you know, you know kids giving up their little, their pocket money and lunch money to keep a club going, you know, that's huge. That's priceless. But I didn't want to be part of that. So I took a crazy stance that I'm never ever going to knock on my, on my direct uh, managing director's door or owner's door and say, I need more money. You know, Mm. Um, in the same way, I was never going to promise a player something that I couldn't give them. And because of that, I've I always just worked with what what was um, what was given to me, and was honest with my players. And I hope that I've been that way. That players know that. Um, so, the Guildford Heat one was like we we were going in the right direction. We got to um, I think it was the one season I I inherited Mike Martin, Julius Joseph, and Teo. And mm-hmm. I say inherited them because um, Chad McKnight was there before me, right, and he had right. put them on. on I yeah. think he had put them on three-year deals, and so um, obviously all great players. You know, um, um, you know Teo. I'm, I'm I'm really close to Teo. Mike Martin and I are still very very close. Um, Julius Joseph and I really really tight. And um, as we're going through the stuff as a player, I mean as a coach, you get to realize which type of players are which, you know, and I'd known Taylor from when he was at Tower. So Taylor was like a young guy. I knew I could, I could develop. Mike Martin was kind of like that, that, that silent captain, you know, that was just, he was just ready to win, 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 win. And he was great at that. And then Julius was kind of like the, the, the mediator who, who could discuss stuff. With, so with people, 
when they came to the end of those three-year contracts, Teo opted to leave. I think he got a, he got a, I don't know if he went, I can't remember if he went abroad, but Teo opted to leave. And um, Mike also got a bigger offer to go somewhere. I think it was to London Lions and Mike left. Yeah. And, and then I was left with um, Julius, who was the guy I liked the most of in terms of where he was in his career. And I knew I was going to have a young group. So Julius Joseph was going to be the perfect person to, to kind of like help young guys come through because he just had a way with himself of, mm-hmm. you know, communicating and, and stuff and that there. So having Julius Joseph then, I then was able to um, bring back one or two of the other guys. Obviously, I wanted to bring Drew back, but then Drew got another, you got another offer, a better offer. I yeah, I went back to, go, to Plymouth. To yeah. You went back to Plymouth. You had a good mm-hmm. offer. Uh, I couldn't compete with that. And I was like, you know, um, left on, 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 on good terms because, you know, you were great for us. And then um, I brought, I had Frank Holmes, um, who had played at, at Leicester. Yeah. And I brought him off to finish off the season. And he is great. I just like loved his energy, his passion. So we had Frank Holmes. And then um, um, I kept Macklemore. Macklemore mm-hmm. stayed. Um, and, and he is tough. Um, we kept um, Albert Margai. Um, so so the, I had a core for the first time. I had a little core that were actually returning for that seat for the, for the following season. And then I added a couple of pieces to it. And um, I, I had a player, guys remember Sam Crocelli. I'd um, brought in yeah. um, oh, Sam yeah. Crocelli. Sam came down to Plymouth, didn't he? Yeah. 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 yeah, he was good, yeah. So Sam Crocelli came <clears> in <throat> and, um, and then we had a guy from, I think I want to say Slovenia, uh, Peter Simic. Um, mm-hmm. who, who ended up playing in the ACB, you know. Um, I think he is out of California uh, University. We had him. Um, Kalen had just come back from America, didn't want to go back to America, and said, can I train with the team? So you can train with the team, but you're not going to play. And he's like, yeah, I just want to train with the pros and see how it goes. And, um, and then, obviously, I had um, who turned out to be really good players, um, the Holmes Twins. Yeah. Um, Chavis and um, then Travis came in when um, they were really when, good, then, yeah, yeah, and because Martel got injured, and people don't realize this. So, like, so Martel got injured, tra- and and I'm so I'm driving in the car, and, and as you say, like, I'm, I'm being honest, I'm taking Chavis back to his place, and I'm like, hey man, yo, where's your brother? And he's like, oh, he's at the crib, and I'm like, oh, okay, I said, hey, you know, I wanted him, not you. He's like, come on, coach. I said, no, nah, serious. I wanted him, not you. But, you know, I know how good you are. So we laughed about it. He says, now he's at the house. I said, well, you know, Martel's out for a while. Maybe we can bring him in. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll give him a shout. So we gave him a shout. And uh, that's how Travis came in. So, so Travis came into the, in, into the mold. And then um, he was killing it. We, we, we went on a run. We are playing like really good basketball. And then it came time for Martel to come back. And this is... Um, these are some of the stories that people don't know. So, so Martel was supposed to come back into the team and he had signed first. Travis was just there to cover. Um, but before, before Martel went down, we were actually playing well and Martel was averaging about 19 points a game. Mm, yeah. um, so Martel comes back and I'm like, Mac, are you good? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I said, I'm sure, man. I know you. You're not looking right, man. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. I said, okay, if you say you're good, I'm going with you. And then the owner was like, no, 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 you got to go with Travis. Travis has been better. And I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but like this guy signed a full-time contract. He's on a part-time contract. I got to, I got to show 
give him the respect and let him come back. Anyway, Mac came back, tried to play two or three games. I pulled him in the office. I'm like, Mac, you're not right. And he's like, yeah, coach, I'm in pain. I'm like, no problem. I'm going to still try and look after you, but I'm going to bring Travis back. And then um, managed to get a deal with the owner. The owner was pretty good about it, about pay, still paying Martel. And um, we brought my, um, Travis back in. And that year, we just like took off, like, you know, mm. finished that season. Like, we, you know, we had a really, really strong season. And I was like, whoa, now we're going places. And then at the end of that season, it's like, okay, now we just need to add a couple of tweaks because like we're knocking on that top four. We get into where we were and boom, I'm out of a job. <laughs> the club got signed over to uh, Jack Majeski. You know, mm. like I was totally blindsided in the whole, in, in the whole thing. And, um, and I was like, man, okay, th that's what it is. I, I think I walked away from there. I had two, a two-year contract and I walked away from there with a couple of thousand pounds. Like when I say a couple of thousand, mm -hmm. I, I walked away from there with a, with a paycheck. And um, obviously people like me, people like, no, as your lawyer, we can, we can get you a lawyer. We can do this. We can do that. And I'm like, why am I going to, like me going at, at Jack is like going at the BBL. You know, I'm all for the BBL going in, in the right direction. So I'll take the hit and see what happens, you know, and that's, and, and, and I made no noise about it. You know, the, the fans loved me. They showed me this, like, Oh, we're not going to go to the games. I'm like, no, no, no. you got to go to the games. You're going to support them. You're going to support that team. Mm -hmm. It might work out. Don't worry about me. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be there forever anyway. And um, I guess things never worked out with Surrey United the way they wanted them to work out. And then I got that call to, to bring me back in. Um, and that's what started the Surrey Scorchers journey. And, it, you know, the Surrey Scorchers journey has been, it's been a rocky one, but we've got different segments of what the club needs to be right at different times. Mm -hmm. But it's about combining all of those so that we can get a winning product, you know, on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so it's been, mm -hmm. a, it's been a roller coaster ride. Um, I will say this, you know, I, I think I'm going to be 48 this year and, I'm not. I'm look, not looking for pity from people or anything, but I, I've I've sacrificed a lot. You know, um, when I say a lot, I'm talking about I've missed birthday parties. You know, mm -hmm. I've um, you know I lost both my parents while I was you know coaching games. You know, um, I never got to say those goodbyes. And my wife's been great to me. You know, she's probably been the strongest support support mechanism that I've had through all of this. And she just does whatever I need, you know, I, I, after game, you know, I'm so like we losing, I'm, I'm just so in such a bad place in terms of like, I'm, 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 I'm just trying to make, I just want to win. So I'm not the happiest person to be around. And she, she understands that. And so she, she lets me be, you know, but um, you know, as I said, being 48, by the time I get to 50, I still want to be involved with the club. I still want to be at the club. But I've like spoken to the director and if I last the next two, you know, being there for the next two years at 50, I'll hopefully be passing on that, the reins to somebody else. Mm. And I'll take a bit, a little bit of a different role where I don't have to be on the road all the time and don't miss those things because that, that, that's that been probably the toughest thing for me. It's like, you know, with my parents and stuff, you know, uh, just like, did I do the right thing? Like, you know, I, I you know, we ain't, you know, the BBL's on its way up. No doubt. But we ain't making premiership football money that everybody thinks that we're making, mm. you know. So at, at the end of it, <laughs> you know, 
it's not as if there's just going to be a little, there's going to be a big saving from, 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 from my coaching career. You know, I might have to do something else, you know, and that's why I, I try and empower players to think of their futures earlier than later. So, yeah, so sorry has been, been good to me. It's been a good, it's a good organization. And I think it's, it, it's growing, you know, look at our record, Jay. We, you know, we, we selling out. <laughs> mm. I mean, you know, the fans have been showing up and I almost feel like there's some symmetry between you and Jay situation with Jay's situation at Plymouth, how there was a lot of restrictions for him to really show the best version of himself as a coach. And the news that you just broke to us, this sounds like the perfect guy to speak to because obviously the role that he's translated into over at, at Gloucester. So a lot of symmetry there. Do you feel the same way, Jay? Yeah, I, th- I think the thing that resonates and what jumped straight in my head. So I was never supposed to coach this year and uh, and I've been pulled into that. And when he started talking about family, it kind of got me because, you know, before coming over here, the, the game finishes today. You know, m- my little girl runs up to me, gives me the quickest cuddle before I'm going into the locker room to make sure I put 10 to 12 other people before her in a, in a sense, you know, not, not in my heart, but that's what you're doing. And you give her a cuddle and th- they go off to Plymouth and I'm not going to see her. Uh, until next Friday and uh, and as coach is pointing out like he genuinely is, is not looking for sympathy any more than I have like we've chosen these these paths but um, you know sport you know with sport comes huge huge sacrifices and uh, and I guess for, for, for me as well uh, a lot of people talk about situations but really what are the ex- expectations for you coach like there you know because it's the same as me um, you know, being at Plymouth and stuff like that, the behind the scenes conversation of where the club was at that time was very, very different to the narrative that was on the outside. So I always think you got to judge it from what's going on on the inside before you start talking about records, before you start talking about budgets. Like, what is your remit? Because when we have those conversations, you're so much more than just a head coach to that Surrey Scorchers and people don't even know. Um, I think, you know, when Gavin Baker approached me and, and we continue to speak about stuff, he keeps it real, you know, because obviously he's under pressure all as, as much as I'd be under pressure to get, you know, to get results. But um, as a club, as I said, this, you know, a, a club has so many different factors. You know, you've got your little partnerships with the universities, with schools and so forth. You've got your community program that's running and doing certain things. And then you have your, your, your local sponsors that you try and get involved. And, um, at different times, we've had different things peak within the Scorchers organization, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, so this year, sometimes you learn so much when you're losing because you, you don't want to replicate it. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to make the same mistakes over, over again. And, and we realize that we, you know, we've got to find out um, what's going to be our niche to keep players so that we can de- um, develop a culture. And this is the thing I spoke to Drew about also. And I said, like, you know, to build a culture is not easy if it's just me and maybe one other player or two other players. You, you need to have a, a core group that are coming back because, you know, as coaches, there's only so much we can do. Mm. You know, um, it's up to your, 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 your leaders and your, your core also to, to take that a little bit further. And um, uh, especially in the BBL where you've got some guys that are getting paid and you've got some guys that are semi-pro and you've got some guys that are just good, you know, basketball players that want to be part of something. So getting that balance and that chemistry right becomes so, so important. So 
one of the things that uh, myself and the director have spoken about is is how do we recruit, you know, a player that's possibly going to be with us for three years, you know, or, or four years, and not just one player, but two or three or four, so that we can kind of um, do stuff, get get to a point. So in terms of my total remit, like the key thing is, you know, I, I'm there to try and win games. I'm there to make sure, as my role as director of basketball, I'm 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 there to make sure that we kind of like growing as 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 a franchise in different in, in different areas, and um, yeah, and just make sure that we get to 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 where we where we want to be in a couple of years' time. And um, we know that's not going to be straightforward. Mm. You know, um, I think the bar raises all the time. You know, you look at you know Newcastle raised the bar with the arena. Leicester's raised the bar. You know, um, Plymouth gets an investor come in, it raises the bar. London Lions get that, it raises the bar, you know, and and that's what happens, you know. And um, we don't want it to be that we just have somebody come in and it's a short-term fix for a year and then we're back to, you know, starting from scratch again. And, mm-hmm. and so that's where I think we want to change. And, and, and I know it's difficult because we've got, Scorchers have got fans from Tim's Valley days, Tim's, uh, you know, Tim's Valley Tigers mm. to, to the heat and so forth. And, and, and I understand that, you know, they just, people want to win. You know, I know that. I know how, how it feels um, to, to, to lose. I'm, I'm right there. You know, I'm feeling it with them, you know, and, and, and I have a passion and a drive to at least do the best that I can in the time that I'm there. So that's what I'm saying. Like in these next two seasons, I'm not going to leave any stone unturned. I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm reaching out. You know, I'm reaching out to the to the people that have been there. You know, um, I got on the phone to, um, well, messaged, um, was chatting with Fab. You know, and I was like, Fab, like I know you're busy, but I need to know what your thought process was. You know, and um, just so that I can get an understanding of the way he approached it and how he started that going, and um, the same thing with other top, co- you know, coaches that have have managed to do that. So. Um, I know I went around the, the, the buildings a little bit with what my remit is, but the, the idea is to try and build up that scorches into being a big brand. And, you know, I think our fans turning up, even with where we are um, um, result-wise, just shows that we are building something. And speaking of the fans and everything that you just touched on, I think it sets up perfectly for this last question because you touched on all these points which obviously you didn't know because you weren't here early as we recorded the Alaska look back segment, because, you know, we talked about your transparency and that's one thing that I love and everyone loves about you is I played the interview that you had last year that, that pretty much went viral. I can't remember which game it was, but obviously you remember when you just, you just kept it 100 about the performance and the players. And I've seen you many times this year stand up and do a post-game interview after losses, after bad losses, after disappointment. And so Friday uh, and Hot Topics, Jay and I was talking about this Friday. I'm not sure if you're aware because you were playing. There were boos in Newcastle for the first time. And, you know, with Sky Sports, obviously we interview winning coach, losing coach, and, you know, Mac didn't show up for the losing coach's interview. And so this is my question, like where the league and you've you talked about, you touched on it. The league is trying to move in a direction, it's trajectorying up with the TV coverage, all this. Do you think the current coaches in the league are ready for the scrutiny that comes with being on that type of platform? Because it's inevitable. If you look at the NBA, NFL, Premiership League, 
players and coaches get scrutiny, you got to do what you got to do. I will say this, all right. Um, you know, perception can hurt. Perception hurts. And when I say perception hurts, everybody has a perception that every BBL club, for example, is on the same, you know, has the same salary cap, you know, the same budget and so forth and stuff. They don't know what the ins and outs are for each and every single coach. And I can say that across the league, everybody's got different things that they've got to, they've, they've got to deal with. Um, what, what comes our way is, is part and parcel. You're 100% correct, Drew, you know. The, the part that hurts me the most is I can stay away from social media. I can, I can protect myself, but I can't protect my family who are on social mm. media. I can't, you know, I, I get random phone calls. Hey, man, long time, you good? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm good. Like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. And it's just people because people have, you know, seen, you know, red stuff yeah. and, and so forth. And they know what we're going through. I, I remember being in the, the one time I, I got home from a game. I think we had played in Newcastle and I got home at about 4.30, 4.30 in the morning. And my youngest son was waiting for was was up and he's like dad um how much will it be to buy the scorches <laughs> and i said what and he's like how much will it be to buy the scorches and i knew exactly where it was coming from and i said kieran the way you support arsenal football club and the way you guys go crazy that's managers like this and not like this and so forth that's just how some people feel passionately about the scorches. So you got to allow them to have their own opinions. They might not know the ins and outs, but that's how they feel. And I just got to accept that and respect that. So I don't want you to worry about me because if it's going to affect my health, which takes me away from you, then I'm going to have to walk away from it. And so I guess I'm mature enough or old enough to be able to get that, that balance. For the other coaches and the younger coaches that are coming in that are just starting off this journey, you know, um, I always say to people, you know, um, expectation is the root of all heartache, you know. And at the beginning of every single BBL season, the expectations of every single fan is their team is going to be the best, irrespective of, of the past season, which players they have, and so forth. So that's where the game's going, you know, um, you know, like a key person is Vince, you know, um, you know, you look at where Vince took the lions, where they mm. started and where Vince took them to. And then all that money came in and, you know, Vince is now kind of like just a little bit on the sideline looking in, you know, um, because of results and money, you know, because um, now they got the best roster. They got the best thing, you know? And I think, I've been not fortunate, but I've been like, like um, I've got a director and a support unit that kind of like understands, okay, we need to get a bigger budget or we need to get certain players in order to do stuff. But the scrutiny is always going to come. It's part and parcel of it. You know, like you said in the beginning, Creon, you need to get on um, social media because you'll keep it 100. You know, one day I will be on there maybe. And, um, I'll, you know, I'll tell people when how it is. When you turn 50. When, when I turn 50, yeah, you sitting there as a Twitter of 50, as a, yeah. As a team, yeah, so I, listen, so you got an exclusive there. Sorry, Scorchers fans, that the ones that are a little tired of me, you've only got maybe another two seasons to go with me, and then, uh, and then, 
I'll, I'll be in the stands with you shouting. Then, you, the then, then you're coming for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, but as I said, you know, it's all, you know, I understand. I, uh, you know, I, I can't, you can't take these things personal. You know, we are human. So, it, you know, as I said, what hurts me more is my family has to go through it. That, mm, sure. That's the part that hurts sure. me. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, um, but it's, it's, it's what it is. It's what the world has become. So, um, you know, opinions are important um, in who they're coming from, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, 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 um, I know if somebody talks, if, if it's somebody that I can get on the phone to, that's when it really matters mm. to me. That's not saying that yeah. I don't care. I do care about winning. I do care about putting a smile on the faces. You know, um, Friday night was great for us. You know, we won a game, you know, it's so tough. You know, we hadn't won a game since, you know, New Year's. Um, I don't know when we're going to win another game, but I, what I do know is we're leaving no stone unturned. We just like, we working so hard. And, you know, i got a young group of guys that are stepping up a couple of veterans that are playing through injury, but, you know, we'll, we'll probably cause a couple of upsets and, and decide who gets in the playoffs and, and, and maybe who, who finishes top four. Yeah. That's look, at the end of the day, that, that that's all you can ask for. I think for us, like, um, you know, this has been another one of those episodes. It was, it was the same as, as when we wrapped it up last week, I was saying to Drew, we, we could just carry on this for the, the next couple of hours, because actually I think what we've really unearthed is, is the depth of understanding, I think sometimes that's so, so important, especially around coaches, that we get there, you know, and sometimes sometimes we have these episodes that are, that are super, super fun. Sometimes the, we have these episodes where the tough questions come. But I think the one thing that I can say for you, coach, and I can say hopefully your family listening to this is... There are so many fans out there from different clubs, you know, myself and Drew included, that when you get those wins, just like the fans in the building, you know, they, they, they value you guys and we always want to see you do well. So we're really appreciative that you came on the show and, um, you know, we'll, we'll always continue to be close to you and, and respect you. And like I said, I think um, people need to understand the challenges sometimes behind the scenes. Uh, I can categorically tell you right now the budgets are completely different through the league and I think you're dealing with that admirably so we, we really appreciate your time on this Sunday night No I appreciate you guys having me and um, you know as I've said I've said to Drew you know the league is going in the right direction it's going to take some time you know but um, you know we just got to keep on looking for investors and more people to come into the league on a, on a whole and uh, that's what's going to take it to the next place but I think it's uh, definitely obviously just growing and growing and that's why I said, like, after my, you know, when I get to 50, I'm still going to be around there because um, we'll be flying to games and uh, or going to games and helicopters. <laughs> I want to be part of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I will be picking the Surrey Scorchers more on the weekly picks because I did pick you guys this week, by the way, to get that win. So, Appreciate again, congratulations that. to you, Coach. And uh, yep. hopefully you guys can use this for momentum to finish up the season strong. But thanks for your time, and we'll bring you back soon. No, appreciate you guys. All the best. Thank you. See you soon, coach. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Peace. Okay, that is it for another Ooh. episode. The, these skins, things come so thick and fast, but I feel like they're just getting better and better and better. You know, we had Man, Fletch last week giving us this player depth, and, and, and then we've got this 
this real message. I, di I didn't expect it to go in that direction there with Coach Creon, although I, I know he was going to give us the, the honest answers. But that was real deep. That was real emotional. And uh, we really hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, sorry, Jay Bizzle. We're going to have to move it to next week to do the whole top five. But I want to keep it fresh. So, you know, both me and Drew... I'm telling you, Mr. Lasker, listen to me. We're not going to write it down. We're going to do it right on the fly. The well, reason why I want to do that is because I know that both of us are damn airheads at times and we're going to forget something and social yeah, media are going to go somebody. crazy. So yeah, we're going to leave sure. it to that. But anyway, that was a great, great episode. Man, and, that was um, We're so thankful, guys, for your time. We're thankful for Coach Creon's time. And uh, Drew, lead us out. Yeah, as you mentioned, man, that was really, really deep. And that's what this show's about. Being that soundboard for players, coaches, GMs to have the space to tell their story where you won't necessarily hear it in a post-game, pre-game, two-minute interview. So, um, you know, I played for Creon for a year and been knowing him for years, and I learned so much more about him that I didn't. So uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this as much as we did. But you know what it is. We'll see you same place. Same time here on the show. show. Thanks for listening to the BBL show. The BBL show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your host, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBL on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find details on future episodes, events, and fan interaction. Until next time.